is that if you're leading a business, if you're a founder, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not your job to build the business. It's your job to build the people who are on the team and their job is to build the business. And so if you want to really accelerate and look at any really wildly successful company, that's what they do. Welcome to Summer for Sea Experience. In this show, we'll be covering everything a new entrepreneur needs to know to set up their business and how you can grow and scale your business in the shortest possible time. If you have a question in mind, go to salmanfarsi.co slash ask and submit your question. We might answer it in the next episode. Let's begin our today's episode. Today we have an amazing guest, Bryce Conlon. Bryce is a serial entrepreneur. He's had some big wins, but mostly he's built some pretty terrible teams and lead high potential business into the ground. Now he's on a mission to help entrepreneurs eliminate shitty leadership and build better businesses faster. Today we'll be talking about self-awareness in leadership and his story in failing at a business. Interesting fact, he realized he were the problem. I think we're going to learn a lot from his failure. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. So let's start. Bryce. Did I pronounce it right? Yes. So my name is my name is Bryce Conlon. Bryce Conlon. Yeah. And my business is the Narrative Advantage. And yeah. Um, yeah. And we're all about we're all about helping leaders not be bad leaders <laughs> in its most <laughs> simple form. So yeah. Tell tell me tell us about your, the time before you failed the business. So. Yeah. You, so before I failed the business or how I failed the business? Before uh, you failed that business. We'll get back okay. to the how you failed and the other stuffs. All right. So I've always worked for myself. I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, I actually started my first business when I was six years old. Um, I grew up, uh, I grew up overseas and um, I didn't have we didn't have in in the united states we have lemonade stands if you're a little kid you just sell lemonade i guess is the thing and um that we didn't we didn't do that but my mom had uh she's a gardener and when i was six years old i watched her in the garden one day she was cutting the tops of her plants uh to prune them back and she'd take the cuttings and she'd put them in um water and she'd root them and then she could plant them again and I realized then that I could do the same thing. So at six years old, with my mom's help, started cutting the tops off the plants, um, growing them. And then I put them in a box, a cardboard box around my, you know, and I carried it around my neighborhood. And uh, I knocked on doors and I sold plants to my neighbors. And, and so who's going to say no to a, you know, a six-year-old who's selling plants? And I made a lot of money uh, for a six-year-old then. And that was the beginning. That was when I realized that it was possible to make money whenever you wanted as an entrepreneur. You didn't have to wait for somebody else. You didn't, you know, if you wanted to make more money, just needed to find a better way to do it rather than, you know, <laughs> rather than like ask for a raise because I've never been really good at asking for raises. So um, that was it. I mean, that was the beginning. And I've, I've built several businesses. Some have gone really well and some have gone really poorly. So you mentioned uh, six-year-old kids 
you have earned a lot of money by selling those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Why are you able to spend that money? Because when you are a kid, we earn money and our parents took it from us. <laughs> yeah. No, thankfully, my parents, um, <laughs> my parents let me keep the money. I can't, I can't, I couldn't tell you what I spent the money on. Um, probably, you know, toys that have broken and been thrown out by now, but, uh, no, I was able to keep that money, but that's, you're right. They do take it. They take a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. I faced it. So, um, now let's discuss, uh, how did you fail your business? Uh, yeah, you said, right. yeah, I mentioned you was the problem. So. Yeah, I was the problem. Yeah, that's how <laughs> that's how I failed my business. Um, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing is the short version. And the much longer version was uh, after I got out of college, university, um, I did what I thought I was supposed to do, which was go and get a job, right? That's yeah, kind of what I was told. Uh, if you work hard in high school and you go to a good university, then you can go and get a good job and you can make good money. And so I went and got um, a good job with a great company. And I realized within three months of starting the job that I, I was going to be miserable. I did not like it. It was awful. I hated it. Um, I liked the people that I worked with. I liked the company and what we did. The problem was there was so much structure and I'm an unstructured thinker. I do my best work in open environments where everything is possible. And you just can't do that in, in a large business. So uh, I stayed for about 18 months because I had just bought a house and I had was recently married and we were expecting a daughter. So I had some financial obligations. And I waited about 18 months. And finally, the company uh, went through a change and they eliminated my department. And so I was out of work anyway. And instead of panicking and using that as an opportunity uh, or, or like going and getting another job, I took the opportunity to start something new. I just decided I'm going to do what I know how to do, which at that point was, I did a lot of video production work for for corporate clients. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to see if I can sell this to other businesses. And I did uh, very successfully. The first couple of years, I made uh, back my salary in what I had been making while working full-time for someone else. And then in the, the third or maybe the fourth year, I had an opportunity. I was approached by some very large national clients here in the United States, uh, and they asked me to do some work for them. And so I needed to build a team in order to say yes. And so I did. I went about recruiting a team. I recruited a co-founder, a couple of them that I thought would be really good. Um, the long version is, or the short version is, neither was. But we, you know, we grew our business very, very quickly. Um, the first year. We 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 made about three hundred thousand um, dollars U.S., which is pretty good for a business in its first year. The second yeah. year we doubled we doubled it, uh, and then the third year we came close to doubling it again. You know our new revenue number. So we were doing very very well, and the entire business came crashing down. Very simply because my co-founder and I were building two different businesses. We thought we were building the same thing. We said we were building the same thing. But when it came to how we were executing on the vision and interpreting our vision for the company, we were building two different businesses. What were your business? 
mean, what products or service you are creating? Yeah, so we were creating, um, we created videos. So, so large organizations would call us up um, and then say, we need a video for a new marketing campaign, or we're um, trying to hire a bunch of new people and we want a video that we can send out to applicants to help them understand uh, our culture and what we're about. And so we'd create these videos and we did that part. We knew, we knew that that's what we were doing. What was different in where we kind of ran into problems was how we got there. And so we determined early, my co-founder and I, we said, when we build our business, we are going to build the best place to work in the Midwest, in the United States, in our region. We're going to be the best the best place to work. Everybody's going to want to work for us. And we believed that if we could create that environment, that culture, that we would attract the best talent. And with better talent, we'd attract more and better big clients who would bring us more and better big projects, which would turn yeah. into more and better paychecks, right? And, and we believed oh, this, good. and this, is our, this was our theory. And we weren't wrong, to be honest. We, we were right. That was true. The problem was what we, how we each defined best place to work. For me, I thought the best place to work was a place where I could be challenged, where people, myself included, could be challenged, where we could set big goals, um, have the support and the encouragement to go and reach those goals and feel like the work that we were doing mattered for my co-founder. And, and he would never say this with, you know, in his own words. This was my interpretation based on his behavior. He believed uh, that the best place to work was a place where with limited, um, where he could pay his bills with lim minimal effort and a small amount of accountability. He just, he just wanted to kind of do his thing and get involved with the parts of the business that he thought was fun. And he didn't want to do anything that he didn't think was fun. And he didn't want anybody asking him like for, to, to actually perform. And so you can see very quickly how things would start to fall apart because everything became a fight. Everything became a battle. There was tension, sleepless nights, frustration, and it didn't take long before things just absolutely unraveled. So basically your partner was not willing to take responsibilities. From my perspective, there was an yeah, element yeah. of that. Um, I think it was more than that though, to be honest. I, I don't think, let me say this, cause I don't want to paint him in a bad light yeah. unnecessarily. Um, he's a good guy. He was a good guy then, he is a good guy now. And he's, he's smart and he's caring and he's compassionate. The problem was, I don't think that he knew himself well enough to know what he should say yes to, right? And so the things that were necessary to building a business, he just wasn't able to do. He was burning out. He was tired. He was, you know, overwhelmed by. And if I'm being honest, I also didn't know myself well enough or really have the maturity as a leader to help him to see who he was and who he could become. I just saw him as a problem and an underperforming co-founder who needed to be dealt with or terminated immediately. 
And that attitude led to a separation, a very expensive separation as we split up the business. And um, it was a very expensive lesson learned, right? Both mentally, emotionally, and financially. So what was the main problem? Your, your yeah, what was the main problem you said, guys? I mean, the main problem yeah. was, was yes. me. I was the main problem. <laughs> um, you know, there, nobody, can, nobody really teaches you how to be a leader. Um, and there's like a myth out there that says you're either born with it and you're a good leader or you're not born with it and you're not a leader, you're a follower. And that's it. Like that's kind of, you're in one of two buckets, that's it. And I think that that myth stems from the fact because it is a myth, but it stems from the fact that some people are able to figure it out. They learn the lessons somehow, and some people don't. Unfortunately, people who don't figure it out, and by the, this was me for a long time, are still capable of getting into leadership roles. And that's a tragedy, really. Because now you have people who have no business leading. They can't lead themselves. They don't have the self-awareness. They don't know how to really be human, um, you know, in, in relationship with other humans, because it's complicated, it's ambiguous, it's esoteric. And they don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. And yet I was responsible to lead a team of people. I had no business leading. And so what was the problem? I was the problem. I had no idea how to lead people well. And unfortunately, for founders, for entrepreneurs, for mid-level managers, for CEOs of companies large and small, they are often the problem. It is the leader who is most often the problem. Um, nobody will tell you that if they work for you, because how do you say that to the boss? That like, hey, the reason why we're failing is because of you. Um, so it turns into a tragic case of the emperor having no clothes. If you're familiar with that story. Yeah. So when did you start your business that this business? Uh, I think we started that business in 2017. Yeah. So it was the spring of, I think it was 2017 when we filed our formal paperwork as a company with multiple founders. I had been running my own business since 2014 before that. It was under my name and I was just it was just Bryce. If you if you want if you want video call Bryce. And in 2017 we gave it a name, we gave it a brand, we you know brought some other people in and we really looked to scale and build the business. And honestly by the by the end of uh well early 2020, long before the pandemic happened, that business was dead. So basically three years. Did basically. you uh, took any investments? Uh, thankfully, we did not. We were completely okay. bootstrapped, thankfully. Yeah. Although on the other hand, I say that nobody's ever asked me that question. So, so I'm processing this in real time. On the one hand, I'm glad that we didn't have any outside investment because I think that would have created added pressure and really... Yeah. Um, in some ways contributed to the stress and the burnout. On the other hand, I, I've come to adopt the belief that the only way that you can know 
how you work with somebody else, like really know their character, really know what they're about. And if they are who they say they are, is to work with them, is to test them in, you have to put them in a high stress, high pressure situation. And so thinking through this out loud, looking back, I almost wish we had taken some outside investment because it would have put pressure on us faster and earlier. Now we have investors that we're beholden to. And that would have created the pressure and it might've helped us see the problem more quickly. The other thing that having investors on, if you have the right investors, and that's a big, that's a big if, uh, because there's some investors who just want to write you a check and, and take a piece of the pie. But if you have the right investors who also serve as guides and mentors, then they may have been able to help us see the problem and, you know, kind of head it off where it wouldn't have led to, um, it wouldn't have been quite the destructive force that it was. So, yeah, we know we didn't take any outside money, but, um, now I'm kind of wishing that we had. Uh, there's a couple of questions that comes into my mind. So what if that problems happen again? How would you handle it? Well, that problem happens all the time. I mean, every day, right? It's If you're in leadership, if you're a founder or you're an entrepreneur, there are no constants. Like every day, is a new challenge. It's a new curveball, And that means that you have to be so keenly aware of what those changes are and how they're affecting every person on your team. That includes you, of course, but also the people who work for you. Because changes in the business, failed campaigns, big successes really do contribute to the mood of the business, the vibe, the ethos. And if you're not checking in with your people, if you're not aware of what's important to them, what they value, what they thrive on, then what might be a minor inconvenience for you could be devastating and completely demoralizing for somebody else. And so if you don't know that about yourself, about the people that you, that you lead, if you're not helping them process through the big wins and the big losses, then you will run into this problem. It will create disengagement on your team. It will create um, employees who become lackluster in their, in their performance. They'll stop caring. It will lead to a dip in performance. Like This happens every day. So it's not a matter of if it happens, it's a matter of when it happens, what do you do? Yeah. And I think the antidote, and I'm a firm believer in this, is that if you're leading a business, if you're a founder, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not your job to build the business. It's your job to build the people who are on the team and their job is to build the business. And so if you want to really accelerate and look at any really wildly successful company, that's what they do. They recruit great people, help them achieve their highest and best, and then the people solve the problems and build the business. Yeah, you're there to set vision. But really, honestly, what you are is you're there to maximize the potential, the human potential of every person on your team. That is not a leadership skill that you've been taught. That's not what gets taught in schools. You get taught SWOT analysis. You get taught, taught the SOSTAC method of problem solving. You get taught, I mean, man, you get taught budgeting. You get taught you know, how to pitch investors. You get taught everything but 
how to really help people achieve their best. And that's the only thing you really need to know. You can hire the rest. Absolutely. So how did you discover yourself? <laughs> very, very slowly and very painfully. Um, is the, <laughs> when, when you're in leadership, you will learn. You will learn these lessons. You will learn to become a, uh, you know, if you stay in leadership, you will learn what it means to be a good leader. You will learn how to do it eventually. But it's a very painful process if you don't have someone who's there to walk alongside you and help you process through what's going on is the truth. Um, and so the way that I learned is I blew up a business. And for probably six months, honestly, um, it could have been, it could have been more than that actually. Cause the founder didn't leave the business. The business didn't fail when my co-founder left. It didn't fail right away. It failed over time. And that's a longer, far more detailed story. But for the first six months after he walked away from the business, I was angry. I was depressed. I had a really hard time functioning. I didn't do anything, you know, productive, hardly at all. Um, I wore a lot of sweatpants and just, you know, I didn't, I had a hard time showering and shaving and getting dressed. And I was depressed, like really actually depressed and just could not function. And that's how I learned, you know, because for six months, I blamed him for everything. It's his fault. If he hadn't blah, 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 blah. If he wasn't so blah, 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 blah. Then this never would have happened. It's his fault. And yeah. And eventually I realized that I played a part in it too. And I realized that no, like if I had been a better leader, if I had had better relationship skills, if I had helped him to discover who he was, if I had helped him to find out what gives him energy and what drains him of energy, what fires him up and gets him excited and what makes him, you know, takes the wind out of his sails and he feels kind of depressed by, uh, if I'd helped him find the areas where he could succeed instead of putting him in roles where he was failing, then we would have had a different outcome. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, yeah, he played a part in that, but I played a bigger part. So how did I learn by running a very profitable business right into the ground in, in just about three years? That's how I learned. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Great. So let's talk about leadership. So how okay. can someone develop their leadership skill? Yeah, well, so for, first, I think it's understanding that there's two sides to, to leadership development. The, and, and, and you almost only ever hear about one. And so there's the mindsets and beliefs, the principles, if you will, and then there's the practices. And almost everything that I've ever seen that's around leadership development is about the practices. It's just tactical, practical, um, do this, don't do that, right? It's checklists of this is good, this is bad. Here's something you might consider, here's something to avoid. But very little talks about the underlying principles and the mentalities and the attitudes that are critical to properly implementing the practices as 
a part of who you you are as a leader, not as something that a framework that you need to pull off the shelf and employ when you find yourself in a situation. So the first thing you need to do is is actually figure out what you think about things. And this is a, a strange thing to say because we all think we know what we think, and we all think that what we think makes sense and is right most of the time. And so the step number one is you need to find a way to poke holes in your belief system. You know, you need people who are going to challenge you. And that means you have to get around people that you can trust, that you can be honest with, really honest with. You can tell them what you actually think about things. And they can tell you when they think you're making a mistake or they think you're being an idiot. And when you're around those people and you start to hear different points of view from this I call them your truth tellers from your truth tellers. Then you will begin to identify for yourself gaps, blind spots. And now you can begin to fix the principles and the thinking and the attitudes and the behaviors. If you do that, then all of the practices, the tactical leadership skills, that's the easy part. The hard part is actually figuring out what you think. So step number one is you've got to get around. I, I fully believe you have to get around people who can help you see a 360 degree view of yourself. So you can become self-aware. And the irony is that self-awareness requires other people. You can't do it by yourself. You have to be in yeah. relationship with others. And um, so, yeah, you've got, you've got to do that. That's step number one. The tactics, easy. Go pick up any book, listen to any TED talk, You'll find that. Go take any business class. You'll learn the tactics. But first, understand you, your perspectives, your attitudes, and then um, the principles that, that govern your behavior and your attitude towards other people. Then, and only then, will the principles and practices stick and make sense. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Yeah, it does make okay. sense. How can others tell us how we are, actually, what kind of person we are? Well, they so. can't tell you who you are, yes. usually. Occasionally, they can't. Occasionally, uh, you can find someone who, with whom you can develop a relationship and genuinely they can see things in you that you can't see it for yourself and they'll tell you, right? Occasionally, uh, I'm blessed and that's the right word to have one of those truth tellers in my life who can help me genuinely see who I am. But, you, but that's rare. Honestly, that's very, very rare. What others can do is give you an opportunity to share your ideas and to listen to their ideas. And when we bring two sets of ideas together in an honest, really honest way, we start to realize that the way that we see the world is not how others see the world. And it brings and imparts a humility that we start to realize maybe my way is not the right way, or maybe it's not the best way. And so it's not that people are showing up to tell you who you are. They're showing up to discover who they are. And in the process of them sharing about them, you get to discover about you. And it's the, the pushing and the pulling that creates an environment. And so if this sounds like 
ethereal and esoteric and like, what's that practically look like? Uh, I'm a big believer in mastermind groups. Got to get, you know, if you're a founder and you're a leader, you need a tribe of other founders and other leaders who know what it's like to build a business from scratch. Um, you've got to do that. You've got to get into that environment. And it's, it's really ideally should be a group that you can trust, that you can be honest with, that is facilitated in a way that there's structure and you are able to talk about difficult ideas openly where you don't have to censor or filter what you say. You can be your true self. And in that process of being your true self, people are going to say, I just want you to know how that's affecting me or how you're coming across or that you're completely missing this other really important thing over here, or I have a different perspective. And in those conversations, you will realize things about you and go, oh, I didn't know that I believed that. I didn't know that I thought that. I didn't realize that my behavior was communicating the opposite of what I was saying. But you can only do that in relationship. And by the way, relationships with your employees, if you're a founder and entrepreneur, you're not, is not going to count. They're not going to give you that honest, unbiased feedback. You need people who can give you the truth. And they don't care if they hurt your feelings because they're doing it because they love you and they want you to be better. So that's how it works. It's not about someone showing up with an assessment saying, well, this is what it says you are. It's creating a sounding board environment where you can share your ideas and others will share theirs. And in that exchange, you will realize like I, I, you'll, you'll realize things about yourself that you cannot do if you just sit alone in a room and think about stuff. Absolutely. How can someone manage their time? In what regard? I mean, it's a good in question, but in what regard? As a founder, think I, let's think of myself. How can okay. I manage my time? My whole day's tasks and works. There's a lot of things I need to handle. So there's a, so many things. How can I handle everything? Well, you can't, right? I mean, that's not possible to to handle everything. When it comes to time management, you, you have to recognize and realize that you can't do everything. So you have to pick what's most important in the moment, which, I mean, requires that you know what's most important in the moment, which in and of itself is a difficult thing sometimes. But you need to know what's most important so that you can focus on that and then do that first, letting the less important things fall further down the line. But my advice to founders of businesses is don't manage your time. It's manage your energy. And if you can learn, because time is our most valuable asset, right? And if you're parsing out your day to do a bunch of tasks that drain you, then one, you won't be satisfied. And two, if you're not satisfied, you're not going to achieve what you could achieve if you were. You've got to find a level of satisfaction in the work that you're doing every day. Yes, there are some tasks that you're not going to like. Yes, there are some tasks that you're not going to want to do, and you have to do them. But if you can learn to manage your energy, meaning you spend, you put your time into the tasks that fuel you, that help you to 
see the potential in your business that help you to get up every morning and blast through the obstacles when they show up, then you will actually achieve your business. You will, you will achieve in your business. You will do more, make more, be more because you're doing what you genuinely love. Time management, I think is overrated. That's my opinion. Manage your energy. And then you will get more done in the areas that matter most. And as you find success, then hire people to do the rest of the things that drain you. And if you can do that, then you're on the right path. Never think of that way. Why does most of the businesses fail? What's your perspective? Well, a hundred percent because of the people, right? There's, there's only two kinds of problems uh, in business. There's only two. Every single problem in business is a people problem. It's a people related problem, or it's a circumstantial problem. Like it's a situational problem. Those are the only two kinds of problems. And in 90% of cases, the situational problems are caused by people. <laughs> so, you know, outside of, say, a global pandemic or a massive economic recession or something that's truly genuinely outside of your control, which there are very few things that are truly genuinely outside of your control. Almost every problem that you encounter in business is because it's a people problem. And so I think my opinion and the research backs this up. If you are a leader and you learn to lead people well, you engage in conflict early, you build healthy teams, your business is far more likely to succeed than if you're just focused on building a business that makes money. So this is where all the stuff, the Simon Sinek's, the start with why, the soft skills, the Brene Browns, the Patrick Lencioni's, right? This is where it all comes together is on the battlefield of business. And it's not crap. You have to do it. And most founders, most entrepreneurs don't. They focus on setting their vision, achieving goals, hitting benchmarks, reaching milestones. And that's good. And you need somebody in the business focused on that. But who's focused on your building your team? Who's focused on working on the relationships, on helping the individuals maximize their potential? Not just for your gain and for your profit, but for themselves. So it's the right thing to do. Who's doing that? And if it's not you, the founder, then who? Yeah. This culture starts at the top. And so what's the problem? Why do 80, 90% of businesses fail? People. Because we don't know how to lead people. We don't know how to lead ourselves well enough to lead others. And that's the big problem. They fail because of people. And by the way, they succeed because of people too. So how can we build relation, a strong relationship with our employees? Yeah, so we have to understand what your employees want, what they value, right? Um, on its face, all your employees want a paycheck, right? And if you're not going to pay them fairly, they're not going to work for you for very long. But if all you do is pay them a paycheck, even if it's a good, even if it's a good wage, right? Even if it's a, a very good salary, but that's all you do 
after a while, they will become disengaged. They will check out. Their work will suffer. They'll go through the motions. They'll do only what they need to do to not get fired. So that's the kind of person you want working for you who does the bare minimum so they don't get fired. That's not the person that I want working for me. So how do you build those relationships? Well, every person who shows up to work with you, and that's the right word, work with you rather than for you, has dreams. They have goals, they have ambitions, they have an idea of what living a successful life is. Some of them have never used language or words to describe that. It's just unspoken and understood or maybe not understood. And so if you want to be an impactful leader to your employees, if you want them to really, truly stay engaged and involved in the work that you're doing, you have to figure that out and help them figure that out and then help them achieve that. Now, a lot of leaders won't do that. Because one, it's hard. Two, it doesn't actually help you make more money today, right? It's a long-term play. Um, And three, what happens if I help you discover what you want? And it's not with me in my business. And then you leave. That's a problem. You're working in my business and you're doing a good job and I don't want to lose you. And you run that risk when you help people realize that the thing that they want to do isn't work for you in your business, but it's the right thing to do. And for the ones who do stay, they will be far more productive than the ones, you know, than, than people who just show up to collect a paycheck every week. That makes sense. So we are almost at the end. So what's your advice for the people who have just started their business? (laughs) I have a lot of advice for people who are just starting their business. Um, First thing you have to do before you even start a business, to be honest, is find a way to figure out who you are. So um, there are lots of ways to do this. There's no one path. Some people, you know, pursue religion as a means of understanding and enlightenment, and that's valid. Uh, Other people do more, like they read a lot of books and they you know, really get introspective and they think about it and that's valid. Um, I think both of those things candidly do have some limitation if you're doing it in isolation by yourself. So my recommendation is find a way to get around a mastermind like the one that I run um, at the Narrative Advantage. Find a way to get around other leaders who want to grow themselves, who want to build great businesses, who want the people who work with them to love what they do every day. You got to get around other people who are like-minded and like-hearted, and then you can have these tough conversations. That's step number one. And I don't know how you could build a business any other way. Because the bottom line is you need a way to practice this and to think about it when you're not in a heated situation with an employee, with a co-founder, and it matters. You need a way to think through this when it doesn't matter, when it's safe, when you can make a mistake, but those places don't really exist. So you got to go find one. 
And uh, I'm a big proponent of the mass of masterminds. We've we run one at the Narrative Advantage, and it's incredible, honestly, the the insights and the results. So I'll I'll tell you one I'll tell you a very quick story to illustrate this point. Uh, I just last week, no, two weeks ago, uh, a gal who is in my mastermind showed up and and we were, I said how are you how are you doing what's going on and she was frustrated and it turns out that she had somebody who worked with her on her team who was underperforming they were not doing their job well they were not achieving the benchmarks that they needed to achieve they were uh, forgetting to do some important stuff they were failing and she showed up this founder she showed up and she said I'm angry I'm frustrated and I'm going to fire her. Okay. So why are you going to fire her? And we started talking about it. And she said, I'm going to fire her because she's messing with my revenue stream. She's, she's hindering my business growth. I can't grow. I'm, I'm at the risk of losing money because of this person. And when she would calm down a bit, I told her what I had heard her say. And I said, um, I said, listen, I, I want you to know that I heard you say a lot of I in me, my business, my revenue, my idea. What I didn't hear was any we and our. And that's a red flag for me. Because my guess is that she feels like this is your business and she's imposing on it rather than feeling like she works in this business herself. Well, the meeting ends, the CEO goes back to her business. And a week later, I followed up with her and said, how, how did things go? She said, you will not believe what happened. I said, what happened? And she told me that she had had a conversation with this gal, who, this team member who she was going to terminate. And they started to think about and talk about the difference and the discrepancy. And the CEO straight up said, do you feel like this is my business and that everything you do needs to be run by me, run, run through me? And this employee said, yeah, I do. And the CEO said, I'm shocked. I'm disappointed to hear that because I hired you because you're smart, because I value your perspective, because I, I like your ideas. And here I am becoming the boss I never wanted to be, the leader I never wanted to be. I'm the problem here. That was it. Now, a month later, that business is running better than it ever has. They're meeting their benchmarks, their milestones, they're meeting their goals, and they're winning in ways that they never have before. And the only thing that changed was the founder changed her belief. She realized that she was treating the business like it was mine rather than building a culture of ours. And the only way that happened was in conversation. The only way that happened was by talking with somebody else who could say, this is a red flag and you need to know about it. If you're a founder, you will run into bear traps and landmines if you're not paying attention. And the only way to see them in advance is to get around other people who can help you to see them in advance. Absolutely. So uh, I saw your last post here yeah, on yeah, LinkedIn. So you said 
often businesses uh, what's the I forgot actually just forgot that that's okay was it the post about um, yeah. founders being unqualified yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, I did post. Uh, I, so I did post on on LinkedIn recently. Uh, I had the realization that if you want to become a manager in a business, you start as an entry level employee and you demonstrate some sort of management, natural affinity towards management, and then you get promoted. If you want to become the CEO, then you'll become a manager, and then you you show some vision setting skills and then you get promoted to director and then you get promoted to vice president and then finally to CEO. In almost every job, there's a promotion path where there's levels where you show up and you do some work. And based on how you do the work, you get elevated or you stay at that level until you learn the lessons you need to, to get elevated. So get promoted, literally. Problem is if you're a founder, you don't have that. You just raise your hand and decide one Saturday morning that you're going to start a business and congratulations, you are now the founder. You are the CEO. You are the leader. And you are likely unqualified to be there. It's true. And I speak from experience because I was unqualified to be there. So again, if you're starting something and you desire for it to succeed, you need a way to get qualified fast. And if you're not going to do it by climbing the rungs of you know, a corporation, that's fine. But you do need to find a way to learn these lessons. And you and you you got to learn them quickly now in a safe environment before you get out into the world with your team, with real money at risk, with real job opportunities and contracts on the line. You don't want to make those mistakes then. It will cost you a fortune. Got to learn these lessons now. So how do you get qualified? Well, there's a lot of different ways and everybody's got their own ideas on that. I think the only way that I've seen that's proven that's worked for me personally, get around other people. Other leaders, like-minded, like-hearted leaders who want the best for you and want to grow themselves. Absolutely. So where can our listeners find you? Where can you find me? Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So my name is Bryce Conlon. I'm sure my name's in the show notes. Um, yeah. That's a, gr that's a great place to find me. If you want to know more about what we're doing in, um, that's, a, that's a great way to like actually interact with me. I'm very responsive. So uh, if you reach out, if you connect, I, I will actually engage with you. So uh, that's, that's a great place to connect with me personally. If you want to know more about the work that we're doing in our business, head over to URL www.com narrativeadvantage.com uh, again that's narrative advantage spelled exactly as it's spelled nothing tricky there um, and you can see about the work that we're doing and how we're helping founders get out of their own way and eliminate the dysfunction that's plaguing their teams so that they can build high profit high potential businesses so that's how we end it thanks for joining us today Hit the subscribe button and if you are listening this on apple podcast please leave a review this will really help us to make our future episodes better have a question in mind go to sonofrc.co co slash ask and submit your question 
we see every submission and we might answer it in the next episode thanks again for listening we will see you on tuesday and thursday have a great week